Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show right here on a Tuesday on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Patriots have won three straight. They disposed of the Panthers on Sunday, 24-6. They're now 5-4, and four, and I already can't wait for next Sunday's game, Sunday against the Browns. We're going to have it for you with coverage beginning at 10 a.m. right here on DEV. And joining us now, as he does every Tuesday, the voice of the Patriots on WDEV, Bob Sosi. Bob, how are you? I'm doing well, Brady, and you're right. Three-game winning streak, things changing for the Patriots, things evolving uh, for uh, the AFC. And the way it looks right now, it is a wide-open race that's developing, and the Patriots are going to be right in the thick of it as we talk. So things are going well. They're trending in the right direction, as they say. I think, and I made this point yesterday, that for the first, maybe at least for me, I think it's the first time that it's not a foregone conclusion that the Bills win the division. I have just all along seeded that the Patriots were playing for second place in the division and maybe a seven spot in the AFC playoff picture. Now it looks like the opportunities and possibilities are endless. Well, it's interesting because I think the first couple of weeks this season, Josh Allen was playing well, but not to the standards of 2020. And the Bills were trying to put things together more consistently to live up to expectations. Remember, they fell right out of the gate with their first game in the loss column. And then they rebounded, and then he started to play exceptionally well. But the last couple of games, it's been kind of a return to the pre-19 form especially, but certainly pre-2020 for the Buffalo offense. And to be held to just six points against Jacksonville, that was really startling to me. Uh, not not only the fact that the, you know, the, the Bills struggled, but to fail to score you know, more than six points against the Jags, and, you know, the way Buffalo's offense was going, you know, at their peak last year, you know, that was really, you know, unfathomable. <laughs> Unfathom. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's hard for me to imagine. I know that this is a new year, but that's, you know, that Jaguars defense wasn't the defense of the 2017 team that reached the AFC championship. Yeah. So that was really, I think, most surprising of all to me is just to see the way the Bills offense struggled as it did their, their defense played fairly well but uh, they've got some questions and I think you're right I think you know more importantly for the Patriots too when you talk about the AFC East and the Pats do have to take care of business you know they've got these next few games ahead versus Cleveland certainly a winnable game but the Browns are coming off a ride of the Bengals and the situation which we'll get to with Cleveland right now a bit up in the air at running back just as it is for the Patriots and and, and that's a position group that each team relies on heavily you know, could certainly change things dramatically by Sunday afternoon. Then you have the Falcons on a short week coming off a win, but nearly blowing that lead against a division foe, followed by Tennessee. And if the Patriots get through this stretch, as many believe they should, and I think that they have to, then they go into the Buffalo series and they have two games left with the Bills. And I do think that this team is better equipped to confuse Josh Allen the way it used to we talk about Allen returning to that pre-2020 form. He's really only played one good game against the Patriots in his career, where you could say, you know, the quarterback for the Bills played well that day. And that was the Monday night game late last yeah. season. And I think the Patriots, you know, by that point in time, were, you know, we're not, we're not even the same team they had been at the outset of 2020, and certainly in no comparison uh, to this team here in 2021. So I think, but they've got to take care of business in the first place. But I do think that the Bills are vulnerable, and they've shown that the last couple of weeks. You talk about the running back situation for both teams. It's now up in the air. Nick Chubbs tested positive for COVID. Felton has tested positive for COVID also for Cleveland. Um, they could play depending on you know how testing goes in the next couple of days for the Patriots. Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris in concussion protocol. Still no update on them, at least as of this point when we talk. Um, 
there's been so much talk about Odell Beckham Jr. Should the Patriots be signing Todd Gurley or some other running back off the street right now? Well, I was thinking Tyler Gaffney since he was with them in the preseason. Mm. is out of a job yeah. right now. But, uh, yeah, I think they've got to look at the running back position because you're right, they don't have one on their practice squad. And I'll be honest with you, a few weeks ago before the trade deadline, I thought, you know, maybe Rex Burkhead, you know, might be yes. available from Houston. And, and, and you know, he knows the offense could come in and give you some insurance there. Of course, following the injury to James White, but as they've relied more heavily on Brad and Bolden, Brandon has given them a lot of production already. He's reached a career high in receptions and receiving yards. But then when you factor in now the, the, the injuries to Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, and we're talking on a Tuesday, of course, the first practice for the team and the first practice report, uh, more importantly, more relevant uh, in terms of their status for Sunday, comes out on Wednesday afternoon. So as we talk right now, the Patriots may very well be looking at running backs off the street and considering bringing guys in. But you know, at the same time, as you mentioned, you've got the waiver period for Odell Beckham. And when that comes to an end, at least as most anticipate, he could be available. And then you have a couple of guys on IR who are eligible to return. And, and the clock is about to run out on Jared Stidham and Byron Coward. So the Patriots you know, have, have a, a lot of decisions to make in a short period of time in terms of their limited space on the active roster. And maybe they can bring in a guy and put him on the practice squad. They did clear some space on that and then elevate him by Sunday. But there's a lot to juggle right now for them from a personnel standpoint, just as they're preparing, of course, to play the Browns and waiting on word about the running backs in their stable, Harris and Stevenson. Bob Sosi, voice of the Pats, with us every Tuesday right here at this time on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. All right, let's get to the Mac Jones controversy. I'm trying not to be a homer about this. I really am. Um, I looked at that play on Sunday as Mac Jones is on the ground and Burns is trying to twist and wriggle out of his grasp. And I just saw two bodies that are going in, you know, eventually in the wrong direction. I didn't think that what Mac Jones did was dirty. Did you have a different reaction to it or did Zoe have a different reaction to it in the booth with you? Now, when we saw it live, we didn't, uh, in, in, in either case, comment on it because I don't think we really, you know, had the opportunity to, to see it. You know, you're watching, I'm watching the ball, who's got the recovery, and we really didn't get a look a long look or a quality look at the replay of what was taking place after the, the sack with Burns and Jones. By that point in time, my eyes had shifted, of course, to where yeah. the ball was and Frankie Luvu recovering it and the possibility of him running it back or at least, uh, you know, something else if like a Patriots player recovering it. So my eyes are going to the ball, and then we didn't really see a good replay of, uh, of that incident until after the game when obviously social media uh, and Twitter in particular – you know, was very active with commentary uh, and, and the words of Hassan Riddick, uh, you know, were heard and, and uh, you know, uh, circulated as well. And, and, I, and I have to say, Brady, quite honestly, after watching it a number of times and seeing it in slow motion, particularly, you know, from the end zone angle, if I were with the Carolina Panthers, I, I'd be very upset too. Mm. On the other hand, I, I don't necessarily think that Mac Jones did anything with the intent of hurting someone, uh, Bill Belichick said, well, maybe he thought, you know, he had the ball and Jones seemed to indicate that as well. Uh, that was his reaction. I, you know, so I, I, I'll, I'll take his word for it. I don't think you'd have time uh, as someone had suggested to think in your mind in that nanosecond, I'm going to, you know, grab this player's leg because he celebrated a sack <laughs> during our, yeah, our earlier careers. Uh, you know, that, that, that to me seems really far-fetched and uh, unimaginable. But I do think that, you know, if I were on the Carolina side, 
And Matt Rule basically said it. Look, he has a lot of respect for, for Mac Jones. He coached him in the senior role, likes him a lot. Uh, he doesn't know what was in his mind in that particular play, but he's got to defend his players. And I think if the Patriots had Matt Judon in, in the grasp of a quarterback from another team like that after the play, and I do think you're right, I think, you know, Part of it is the fact that Burns is trying to wriggle his way free and he's twisting and, and lunging forward. Mac, Mac has a hold of his ankle. Mac doesn't want to you know, allow that defender, if he thinks he has the ball, to gain yards with the ball or to even potentially recover the ball yeah, in case yeah. it's still loose. But I, I could see why the Camp Panthers took umbrage with it. You know, I know I'm nitpicking here. And again, I'm trying not to, but I want to ask this question. The last two weeks, the Patriots have won. But Mac Jones hasn't done a whole lot, right? He hasn't been asked to do a whole lot. They've been running the ball a lot and running it effectively. If the if they played Sunday's game in week one, I would have been all for it. Hey, let's run the ball a lot. Let's protect the young quarterback. Let's rely on the defense. By week nine, I kind of thought maybe Mac Jones would be I, – I, I don't know. I feel like Mac Jones was being asked to do more early in the season when I was expecting it to go the other way. Am I nitpicking here? Well, I think a lot of people have raised that point. I, I look at it this way, Brady. You know, number one in the game on Sunday, uh, you're talking about one of the most disruptive defenses in the league and a very good defense uh, in, in Carolina up front in particular and on the edges with Burns and Reddick and and as well, uh, you know, what, what they did with different looks. Same with the Chargers, different looks. You know, two defenses that, though not necessarily unique or nonetheless, you know, uncommon in terms of their schemes and philosophies. And that's what they have generally done to opposing passing offenses from week one through week nine. Plus when you're, when you're first and 15 and second and 20, you know, and you're behind schedule as the Patriots were, uh, then, you know, in your obvious, in obvious passing situations, you know, I, I think that you're going to, you know, you're going to struggle. It's just, it's just the fact of football, let alone in the NFL. And 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 I do think, you know, there were some things that were off. He got sped up a little bit in the in the, in the Chargers game, but I thought in the last quarter or so of the Chargers game, Mac Jones looked as good as he had all year. I know he had that terrible stretch in the second quarter, was very inconsistent with, but to me that was really encouraging. So I wasn't discouraged by the end of that game. Early in the game, yeah, but not by the end of that game. And this, and, and with regards to Carolina, I think you have to give a lot of credit to the Panthers' defense. But I also think too, you know, this is what we expected from the Patriots: play good defense, you know, make third down stops, be good in the red zone, and have an offense that would run the ball and be very physical. Uh, so to me, to me that you know that's as scripted. This week is probably going to be very similar against this Browns defense. Um, and you know when you look at you know the way they can get after the quarterback with Miles Garrett and company up front, and, and then with their secondary health, and now particularly you know the the kind of playmaking ability that Ward has uh, when he's healthy, he's as good as there is. I think uh, you know when you talk about the quarter cornerbacks, the Patriots are going to have to face here on out. Bob, I'll get you out of here on this. A a broadcasting uh, style question for you. So um, last night, Bears-Steelers, Monday Night Football, Steve Levy got roasted from ESPN on Twitter um, last night because the game-winning field goal attempt by Chicago was 65 yards, and Levy said it hit the upright when it came up eight yards short. And I'm not roasting Levy because I love Levy. I used to call college hockey games from the Steve Levy press box at Oswego. So Levy... So Levy is my guy, but I'm curious. It was evident that he was watching that play on a monitor and just didn't have a right angle. How much of a game are you watching on a monitor in front of you versus just calling what's in front of your eyes? Just curious. Yeah, every game, every play, with exception sometimes of extra points or field goals, I'm watching only 
what's in front of me live and not not watching it off a monitor. When you're right. doing television, you know, when we do the preseason telecasts, you know, there are occasional glances at the monitor because you want to talk about the pictures that the director is showing mm. the audience. And so when you're calling a game on television, it is a bit different. You're paying more attention to the monitor. But when the ball's in play, uh, generally speaking, if not exclusively during a game, I, I'm my eyes are focused on the field and what's happening. And it is very difficult to judge field goals and extra points in most booths. Mm. You know, now, one of the reasons why there are times where I will glance at the monitor is that you know, I, I can see that end zone shot of an extra point or a field goal going through the uprights. But I always think that the most important thing when calling any play, but especially a field goal attempt, an extra point attempt in the waning seconds especially, is to hold off as long as you possibly can. I want to be on top of it. I want to have the crowd reaction to my voice as well as the play and, and have that synced up perfectly. But with, with extra points and field goals, because it is so difficult to judge so often from the booth, I want to make sure I see those officials under the goalpost mm. raise their arms and say that it's good before I say, it's good. You know, it's got a game winner for Gostkowski or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, I try to, like I say, I, I try to use the monitor when I when I feel like everything, you know, is, is in sync in terms of the picture they're showing in front of us and as well what we're seeing on the field. But, you know, I, I think the only fail-safe way is to, to look with your own eyes at the field, watch it live, and wait for the official signal. I love watching. I love listening to you call a field goal because you you don't always say this, but you've got the famous swing of the right leg. That's that's what well, something that you say frequently. I like you know Nick Folk swings the right leg and it's good. So there you go. So Bob Sosi, voice of the Patriots, and Bob, we look forward to you on uh, on Sunday, 10 a.m. with the pregame show, 1 p.m. for you and Zoe to take center stage, and we'll have it for you on DEV, and we will talk to you in seven days. Yes, Brady, I obviously have a much easier time saying swing of the right leg than unfathomable, <laughs> which I'm still struggling <laughs> to articulate. So I'm just going to scrap it. I'm going to shelve it right here and now. Thank you.